You're listening to Grads Give Back, the podcast that asks graduates of Humber College's business marketing program what they're doing now, how they got there, and how Humber helped them along the way. They'll share their best tips, tricks, and tools so you too can be successful in your career. Grads Give Back, the podcast. Let's listen in. And a very warm welcome to all of you. Today on the program, I'm speaking with business marketing graduate Cesar Gomez, a manager of Ontario Business Resources at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. During his time at the CFIB, he has counseled hundreds of Canadians on how to start and run new businesses and how to navigate the Canadian business legislation and compliance landscape. We'll take a look at why it's important to learn how to use PowerPoint and Excel for your future career, why job shadowing can help you move up the corporate ladder, and why it's important to optimize your LinkedIn account and how you might do it. Along the way, Caesar will share some tips that helped him to get to where he is today and that could help you in your future career. Cesar Gomez, welcome to Grads Give Back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand that you are currently the manager of business resources at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, also known as CFIB, for the region of Ontario. Could you let our listeners know a little bit about the kind of work that CFIB does? Of course, James, happy to do so. So the CFIB is the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. We're a small business membership organization, a not-for-profit. We've existed for more than 50 years. Our sole purpose is to increase the odds of our member success. We create change and awareness of small business issues to all three levels of government. We start with the federal, the provincial, the municipal. We have 110,000 small businesses across Canada, 42,000 in Ontario. And we accomplish this mission in three ways. We provide advocacy and awareness to all three levels of government. We also provide business resources support, and we provide savings and benefits. We save time and money where possible. And how this process works is we survey our members across Canada on government regulation. Our research department does analysis of the data provided to our lobbyists, and they meet with decision makers at all three levels of government. But like everything and anything, there might not be change overnight. So what our business resources team helps on an ongoing day-to-day basis on business compliance. You're, you're kind of the advocacy, the voice of collectively the small and independent business across Canada. You're focusing specifically on Ontario. That is actually correct. And many small businesses are not invited at the seat of the table when government officials are making these decisions. That's why it's important to have a collective voice that it represents the interests of small business. We've done that very significantly with COVID-19. A lot of government relief programs have not been executed properly. So we've been the voice to government to say where the flaws have been. And I'm just noticing here that you mentioned in Ontario alone, the region that you're responsible for, you're talking about 42,000 businesses. What is the kind of work that you do as the manager of business resource? What, what does your particular area look at and how do you manage all of that? Of course. So I do manage a, a team in Ontario and I have seven direct reports, which I'm happy to lead. The department is composed of passionate individuals that are curious about learning and helping others, to be honest with you. It's a non-scripted role. Mm -hmm. We have conversations with business owners on a day-to-day basis. We're not a call center, even though our method of communication is over the phone, just because it's easy. We're asking, how are they doing? What do they need? 
and how can we help them today? And out of that conversation, there could be research. We provide recommendations. Uh, we might be writing a letter to a government official, or we might be escalating to one of our lobbyists for more, for more assistance. Right. Now, how did you end up in this role? I know that you have, you have been with CFIB for a number of years. Uh, you've had a couple of different roles within the organization. So could you just tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now from Humber or just as it was for you getting to CFIB? Yes, of course. So in order to describe how I got to CFIB, I would have to go a little bit further back, James, to my early years and teens and finishing high school. I took some time and it was one of those days where I just wanted to sit by myself, take a notepad, do a little bit of a brainstorming session with myself, put my name in the middle of a piece of paper. And then I said, what does, what do I want to do with my life? What are my goals? What are my aspirations? Who am I? And out of that was an experience where I was able to put some you know, key objectives for my life. And I discovered that I found a life mantra that I live my life on a day-to-day -day basis, which is really to inspire, motivate, and celebrate. And out of this exercise, I realized that anything that I want to do in life has to come out of this life mantra. And it really came down to business. And that was right when I was finishing high school. And my father had a business at the time. It was a floor restoration service. And I was mm -hmm. able to just do some practical hands-on. I was creating his website content, creating his brochure, uh, picking up the phone, dealing with customers, dealing with vendors, as well as one of the areas was compliance. So registering, you know, the the um, the tax account or, or talking about workers' compensation. And that's really where I got more, much more inspired to do business. And then I, saw, I thought to myself, you know what? I actually need to learn this craft and I, I need to learn a little bit more skills. So then I went into looking into schools and I ended up deciding to go to Humber College. And in my third year, my, I've had the unfortunate situation that my father actually passed away. And so I couldn't continue with the business. And I also needed to finish school and it was actually through the support of a mentor. I was actually in a confused area of my life where I was like, you know what? I got to go back to work. I'll finish school another time. And it was a mentor that said, no, mm -hmm. you need to finish this for the success of a future career. And I finished my program. And then six months later, ended up at the CFIB. And how I did that was uh, the, the unfortunate passing of my father made me realize that I couldn't continue with the business. I needed to continue to find work that motivated me in, in a way that I, I found inspiration out of it. And I sat at one of the Humber uh, College libraries, one of the labs, mm -hmm. and I started looking for work. And I started going through Monsters, Inc., Indeed. And, you know, there was so much work out there, call centers, customer service roles. There was retail and there was a lot of missions and visions that, you know, I was reading, but I was not getting connected to. There was just nothing resonating with me. And when I came across the CFIB posting, I loved it. I appreciate it. I loved the vision behind it. I was working with small business. Uh, there was 110,000 members across Canada, 42,000 in Ontario. And at the time, the only position that was available there was an administrative assistant, which I still applied for because I said, let my <laughs> let me just get my foot in the door and let's just go from there. Of course, uh, which is very interesting because that's literally starting at a very much an entry level role at the bottom, just getting yourself in the door in some kind of way and then finding your footing in the organization. Did you start immediately looking around the organization to see what other kind of roles you would be interested in? And then did you speak to somebody about that? Or how did that play out? 
So excellent point. So once I got myself in the door, to be honest with you, and I recommend this for anyone, if the role that you wish is not available, still apply. And always just keep in mind that, you know, you all have to be dedicated to the role you're being hired for. But yes, to answer your question, yes, I was very much interested in the role of the business resources department and the business counseling side of it. But I thought to myself, what an amazing opportunity to get myself in the door. I'll be passionate about what I'm doing still, but I'm going to learn the culture. I'm going to learn the hierarchy. I'm going to learn what to do, what not to do. What is what is it that the organization's uh, mission is, thrives in, and, and how the approach. Now, when you said third year, you actually meant third semester of second year. So I did two programs. Like I jumped from business marketing, uh, business management, and then I went to doing business marketing. So for me, instead of being a two-year program, I kind of went the long run. So you had uh, got in the door at CFIB by doing the administrative assistant role. And I wanted to ask you how that then played into you finding other areas at CFIB to work in. Did you speak to someone? Did you research other roles? How did that work? Excellent question. So once I stepped in the door, which was the administrative role, it was supporting 200 sales uh, team members by giving them uh, their commission statements or business cards, whatever they essentially needed. And really, I took that time to be able to understand the culture, the hierarchy, the do's, the don'ts. And two and a half years later, I decided to have a conversation with the manager of business resources of Ontario. And I said, I'd really like to shadow the role. I'm really passionate about what we do as an organization. I think I'd be a key uh, asset to the team. And would you be willing to just have me just sit and learn? Uh, two, three weeks, weeks later, there was an opportunity of a role that was available. Uh, so... I had to, uh, my mentor at the time, I said, hey, there's an opportunity. Um, and then he said to me, okay, go introduce yourself to the hiring manager, which was the vice president of Ontario at the time. And I was like, uh, okay, this is pretty significant. I haven't dealt with such higher ups in the organization. I've been admin role for two and a half years. Yes. And I was nervous. I was completely nervous. And I was standing outside their, their door and I'm like, okay. Three, two, one, go. And I, I knocked on the door and I said, hi, my name is Cesar Gomez. I'm interested in this role. My hand was shaking up until now. We laugh about it because he he's like, your hand was shaking and you were introducing yourself as if I didn't know who Caesar was for two and a half years. <laughs> so it's an interesting story. So I would say that for any students out there, if you're nervous, I got you. You have to get through it by just doing it. Just do it. So that's how my role became transitioned over to becoming a business counselor, simply because I asked if there was an opportunity to shadow. And then I went to introduce myself to the hiring manager. And then it just so happened that my the manager that had to take a leave had already told the vice president that I was interested in the role. So to his to him, there was no surprise that I would be coming to him. However, I didn't know the back end conversation. So I was nervous. So that's how I ended up uh, transitioning over to becoming a business counselor. But that just goes to show that it really is about it, it's all because you you spoke to someone. You just you, yeah. you you didn't go in looking for a job. You didn't go in with an aggressive approach. You spoke to someone higher up and said, "I'm sort of interested in these kinds of roles." Yeah. Should just uh, mention as well um, for our listeners who may not know the term job shadowing because this is very important for people as they go out into the world to know that this is sometimes an opportunity. So could you just give us a, a sort of a brief description of what job shadowing is? Of course, of course. 
So when you're asking someone if they, you can shout out their role, it really is being that quiet person sitting right beside them or over the phone, and they're just conducting their day-to-day role, and then you're experiencing it from a, a side perspective. So we do this quite often when we hire new team members. Uh, we'll have them shadow a counselor over the phone, having the conversations, probing, uh, doing the research, and then they're just the, the individual that's shadowing is just sitting in on the side and just taking notes or listening, observing. And once the conversation ends, then the counselor debriefs with the new team member and says, this is what I did. This is what we do. And this is what I'm going to do. Um, it usually is done when you're a new employee to the role. However, don't let it stop you from being able to ask, can I shadow your department? It's such an important opportunity to be able to job shadow like that because you get a chance to see another side and get introduced to new people. Exactly. And one of the things that you mentioned, uh, James, and I'm just going to reiterate is just putting it out there. And you said uh, not aggressively. So number one, it is a humbling experience when you're a student coming into a corporate culture, an office culture, because you don't want to come across as a know-it-all, the do-it-all. You want to be able to start working and from an amiable perspective and then be able to voice, I can do this, I can do that, I've done this, I've done that. And it's not that you're coming from it from a cocky perspective, you're just putting it out there. These are my interests this is where I can support you. These are my day-to-day tasks, but I could also help you on this, this, and this. I, as a manager, love it when one of my team members is able to tell me, by the way, I'm also skilled in this area. Do you need that? And I'm like, fantastic. I love it. One of my team members, one of my most recent uh, hired team members, is actually from Humber College. Um, He does the role. He has conversation with business owners on a day-to-day basis, doing the counseling perspective. And then one day he said, by the way, I also do video editing. I've done some YouTube video work. And I actually needed someone at the time to do some training material. So I'm like, can you take care of our CRM training? Can you do voiceover videos? And by the way, by just telling me that he could do that, it saved me an hour and a half of my time. And And these videos were like about five minute clips. And I was just thrilled. I was like, the more that my team tells me about their their skills outside of the road, the more that we can position them the best. I think it shows for managers, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it shows to managers, it's great to see that kind of interest from from someone because it means they want to stay with the company. And of course, retention is always an issue uh, for companies because it costs a lot of money to hire new people. And it's so much better to go with someone who is already passionate, who's already interested. Is that sort of what you have experienced? So that's exactly it. I truly appreciate with one of my team members able to communicate with me some of their passions or skills. Uh, The reason being is because this role can be diverse. We're not just speaking to business owners on a day-to-day basis on conversations, but we're also having to prepare material for seminars, having to create blogs, web content, and not only web content, because already the government has this information, but creating web content that's clear, it's concise, that's able to be um, usable for for the business owner to make a decision. But when you voice, this is a skill I have, this is my passion, and this is where I want to grow, as, as long as it meets the needs of your role in the department and you're enhancing that. And of the organization. And of the organization, the sky's the limit. Now, taking a little bit of a step back, you don't necessarily do marketing in your role every day right now, but it is associated with marketing. So what are some of the courses or competencies that you gained while at the Humber program? And how, how important were those things to you? 
very significantly important. And I'll just break it down a little bit. So from the administrative role that I stepped into at CFIB, some of the courses that have helped me excel in the role, Humber College's course on Excel, PowerPoint, Word document. When I came into the working field, there was a few individuals that actually hadn't used it. So for me to have that advantage to know basic Excel functionality or PowerPoint uh, was already a little bit advancing me in the learning curve. Uh, and that helped me to put projects together and some of the courses that helped me, uh, Christina Clemens and the marketing, she would always give us case studies and do presentations and she would uh, allow us to put some objective uh, purpose behind it. So when I came into the working field, when they asked me to put projects together, I already knew how to create an objective, a purpose, goals to identify the resources and the outcome. Uh, when I do the day-to-day -day of my roles, for example, helping business owners on on the, their business operations, we have to advise them on human resources. Mm -hmm. So the, the human resource administration course is very helpful, as well as um, business law. And the reason I mentioned business law is because on a day-to-day, -day, a small business owner needs to know what the rules and regulations are. For example, if they're creating a contest, there are rules around contests. At oh. What age? Uh, what is the criteria to win? No discrimination behind it. And there's significant amount of rules as to who you can advertise. And because there's also the anti-spam law that just came out when it comes to how to be able to email and the frequency and, uh, you know, the names and who, how are you getting these, this information? So now let's talk a little bit about this notion of what do you do when Humber is over? How do you do that job search process? Um, number one, you also need to be ready. And when I say ready, they should learn about the organization, be able to summarize what the organization does and know a little bit about the salary range. And if they don't know, that's okay. That's acceptable. Provide a cover letter when we're not even asking for one. It shows that you're going above and beyond. And then from your end, check your email, check your voicemail. From a recent situation that I just came across, a, a, an individual that I was positioning for, uh, for, a, for a job at a different work ended up not checking their junk mail and missed out on an opportunity. So a little detail like that could be significant. Lesson learned, even for me, lesson learned. And if you would, what role can LinkedIn play? LinkedIn is really your online professional profile. Take the time that you need to make this your own. So right now, LinkedIn has a banner that you can add an image, a quote. I would suggest putting something that inspires you. It adds professional personality to you. The about me section, be professional and personal. Put your interests as well as what you've done in school, the courses, the case studies, projects, internships. When it comes to your LinkedIn in terms of if you don't have a lot of experiences, it's okay. It's okay to place that you've done retail or that you've worked at X, Y, and Z. That's all right. Add some volunteer experience. I had one of my uh, friends that said to me, I'm not getting the jobs uh, that I need or that I want. And I asked him, have you done volunteering? Because we also look at that. We look at what have you done with your time? So when, when it comes to the resume, don't have gaps. If you have like six months, two months, three months gap, that's kind of starting to be a red flag. You can have an explanation for it if you even get in the door to have an explanation conversation. But if you don't, imagine we could just pass you by because there was too much of a gap. So in that gap, explain, were you volunteering? I had some individuals that said I was doing some Uber. I was doing some side uh, education. And that's okay. Add it in. 
So then that way we know that you're actively being engaging and working and not necessarily just having a, a null period. There's a one of the key features that I found on LinkedIn is that they're also connected to lynda.com, which is really fantastic because although you might have your, you know, Humber diploma and Humber credentials and all that good stuff, I actually look at it and I said, oh, they actually took some additional courses that added to their experience. So for me, it teaches me, it helps me to see that a candidate is actually putting effort beyond the day-to-day -to, -day to learn a, a little bit of skill here and there. And lately, get some recommendations. LinkedIn has a, a, a great little section where you can add recommendations as to who you are and what you've done and based on other people. So this, if you have a great relationship with your professor, you can ask them to put a recommendation. If you have other individuals in your network that you've worked for projects or what initiatives, ask them to do some recommendations for you. So do you have any particular tips for uh, what people should talk about once they actually get into the interview room, whether it's the phone screen or the interview room? So when you're going through a phone screen, you definitely want to know who you're communicating with. So knowing a summary of the organization is key, being pleasant, as well as, you know, being courteous as well. When it comes to the actual interview, show up 10 to 15 minutes before, be conscious of the time. So what that means is when you're actually, when you're being asked interview questions, be mindful that you cannot ramble on because there are other candidates right behind you. So if you were allocated 30 minutes for the interview, you also, as well as the interviewers, like the employer and the hiring manager are, are conscious of that too. So you as a candidate also need to be mindful. So your answers should be short and sweet, but answering the question. So what I would advise is listen to the question, give yourself an opportunity where you introduce what the question is, answer the question and then have a conclusion should be between two to three minutes, uh, hopefully less, but it cannot go for beyond five minutes because then it just becomes too much, but be the judge of that. If you know, you've answered the question, you can do it in less time, then be satisfied with that. Now there's always that moment that comes in every interview these days, the dreaded moment, I call it when the interviewer will turn the interview over to you, the applicant, and will say, do you have any questions for us? I always find that a very difficult moment. Um, do you have, what sort of questions do you like to answer as, as, the, uh, as the hiring manager or the position in the, uh, the person with the ability to hire someone? What, what questions do you like to get in that moment? I enjoy when a candidate asks me, can you tell me about your day-to-day? -day? Can you tell me about the day-to-day -day of this role? Yes. Can you tell me about the team? Those are because they're invested and they're engaged. And, you know, more often than not, I start communicating. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I'm very happy to, uh, with CFIB. So that passion comes across. So then the candidate gets excited too. But then it's also ultimately we have to make a decision, right? But I do appreciate when someone is engaging to know what would be my day today? What will be my new team? And what, for example, if I'm the hiring manager, it's like, what are you looking for in a candidate? What are you looking for in a new team member? Well, Cesar Gomez, thank you for inspiring and motivating us here today on Grads Give Back. Thank you for having me and all the best. And you can follow Caesar on LinkedIn or check out the job postings at CFIB by clicking on the links provided. That's all for this edition of Grads Give Back. Be sure to join us again next month when we speak with yet another of our inspiring business marketing graduates. Until then, I'm your host, James Anderson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>